CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. August 23rd, 2019, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference. The third annual conference focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. Join over 500 of the most influential sales development leaders in our industry for a full day of learning, networking, and growing your skills. This year, we're offering three learning tracks focused on sales development leadership, rep training, and our newest track dedicated to sales and marketing operations. Grab your tickets today before it sells out over at tenbound.com conference. That's tenbound.com conference. See you August 23rd. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am honored to have an international guest on the show, which is awesome. I can spread my wings out of the San Francisco Bay Area sometimes. It's very rare, but I appreciate Mr. Richard Smith, the co-founder and head of sales over at Refract. How are you doing today, sir? Wow, what an introduction, David. Uh, I feel privileged to be a foreigner on the show. <laughs> but no, I'm, uh, I'm doing really well. I'm a, I'm a long-time listener of the podcast and very excited to finally be a starring member in it. Oh, man, this is, this is awesome. I mean, I actually, I have had international guests on the show in the past. And so if you go deep into the archives, there's a, there's a few there. But, you know, I've been following your work for a long time on LinkedIn, and I'm very interested in coaching, you know, for especially for sales development reps, because I I feel like they get kind of the short end of the stick a lot, you know, as a lot of them are pretty entry level when they come in and just basically, you know, they're thrown to the wolves to some extent. And so I, I think that there's a huge need for what you're doing. But just backing up a little bit, if people don't know, who you are or about Refract. Can you give us a, a quick background on what you've been doing? Yeah, sure. So we're a, a software company that exists to ultimately help salespeople have more successful sales conversations and to enable sales managers, sales leaders to do what they should be doing and what they should be spending their time on, which is which is making their salespeople better kind of getting them from behind the the spreadsheets, the CRMs, getting them out of the long, pointless meetings that they find themselves in, and actually getting them observing how their salespeople are speaking with prospects, speaking with customers, and giving them the tools and technology to take them to another level. So, you know, a lot of the, the reason why we created Refract was born from our own experiences of frustrations of not getting this level of attention when we were you know when we were kind of starting off in the in the world of sales and yeah i think coupled with that coaching of salespeople is a is a personal passion of mine as well as selling technology to to help to help make this happen and i wouldn't stand here and say i'm the most highly skilled coach in the world but i i feel like i've certainly developed my skill set in this area and learned a lot of things along the way why do you think in sales which is such a, a critical part of the business and especially sales development, which is the front end of that process. Why do you think there's a tendency to, you know, kind of leave managers and reps to some extent on their own to figure things out versus other parts of the business? It seems like there's a lot of training and coaching involved. Well, this is the million 
the million pound question, I'll use uh, I'll use the, the British. It's even more uh, than uh, the dollar. <laughs> exactly. And the good news is, I feel like things are changing somewhat in the in the the time that I've been at Refract over the past four to five years. It does feel like there is a little bit of a shift in the industry happening, which is which is great. I think the world of sales is so high pressured and is so target driven and number driven, and I think that essentially is the real driving force as to why so many sales managers and leaders are constantly being asked for more. You know, the VPs of sales are being asked for more from their executive team. As a result, they're asking the sales managers for more and the sales managers are asking the salespeople for more. All that's happening is people are asking for more, 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 do more. I want more. And they're not actually taking a step back and thinking, well, sometimes it's not about doing more. It's about understanding how can we make things better? How can we how can we take a step away from thinking about sales success as just being a, a total quantity numbers game and actually into a quality game? And I think once people kind of have that realization, they, they lift their head up and realize that actually the, the route to sales success these days is is not always about, you know, that the product, the best product that wins. It's it's actually your differentiation. It comes from, you know, making your salespeople better and is 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 your salespeople being more skilled and having more successful interactions with prospects. So, yeah, I think I think there's a we we still live in a world which is largely, which is largely dictated by asking for more. But a lot of the time, it's it's not it's not about that. It's about it's about understanding, you know, how can we how can we do what we already do today, but just just do it a lot better. Yeah, I think you made a really good point because it's almost like you're in a boat. If you're in sales, you're in a boat with a big hole in it, and. <laughs> And you're mm-hmm. just like bailing as fast as you can because you know the end of the month is coming. You know the end of the quarter is coming, and you're going to be in trouble if you don't if you don't make your number. And that goes the same with sales development. If you don't if you don't set up a certain number of appointments and they don't convert to anything, you're going to be in trouble. So it's like I feel like people start to panic, and you know that that mentality goes into it where it's just like, hey, figure it out on your own. If if somebody wants to. I have a, you know, for you and your expertise, if someone wants to take a step back from that, that craziness and start to think about how do I implement a coaching program? You know, how do I implement more training? What are two or three things that they could do to start to think that way versus just give me more, give me more, do more, you know? Well, you know, I, I recently interviewed yourself, David, along with a number of other coaches and consultants. And the, the topic was all about should the decisions about building a coaching culture stem from from board level? And the the kind of the overwhelming response I got from asking people this question was that was that absolutely yes, it should. Because without having that top down buy in, managers are are, are always gonna just feel a little bit unsupported in what they're trying to achieve. And when you consider the the impact of coaching in revenue attainment, win rates, you know, I listen to a lot of uh, Rob Jefferson over at Exvoyant and, you know, he's he's kind of churning out this real data about formalized coaching programs can, can see up to a 40% increase in win rates for salespeople. When you have that level of performance differentiation, then then the board and the, the top level of a business should absolutely be be setting the example for helping managers to to implement a coaching culture. So, but anyway, going back to your to kind of answer your question a bit more definitively of if you know if, if I'm a SDR manager sat out there and I'm thinking you know what are the 
what are some quick, easy things that I can do to just start coaching where I may feel like I haven't, I haven't done this before and I don't really know where to get started? I think the ultimate way to get started is about observation. I use the story of and the example of, you know, when you go to the when you go to the doctors, the doctor has to do an observation of you before they provide any sort of recommendation of improvement. You know, they don't just you don't just walk into their into their office and they just instantly give you a diagnosis without actually asking you the questions and without actually checking you out, you know, getting the stethoscope out, checking your temperature. You know, they they have to do that diagnosis, that observation before they can even start to provide recommendations. So Exactly the same can be said when it comes to coaching. It is impossible to help your salespeople improve if you aren't spending the time observing what they're doing in practice, right? So, you know, as a starting point, start to just look the kind of emails that they're sending out, listen to the calls that they're making, look at the interactions that they're having, start to build up that picture as to you know, what is this SDR's weaknesses, what are their strengths, and, and kind of almost laying out in a plan you know, on a, a five-point plan, these are these are the areas that this person's really good at. These are the things that this person needs to, to work on. And, and that will really start to generate a huge amount of activity when it comes to giving recommendations of improving that person. All too often, I'm speaking to sales leaders, and they aren't even doing that observation piece. They, they're not coaching because they aren't investing the time actually doing that initial x-ray, if you like. In my opinion, it's impossible to get going with coaching if you aren't, if you aren't actually starting there. Okay, so you got to start there. You've got to start with the the diagnosis, basically. I mean, if if you're sitting there going, "How do I do this?" and you know, you start with the diagnosis, you you can start to you almost do like a SWOT analysis on the the person. You know, what what are they doing well? What are they not doing? And then build that up for your whole team. And I I also liked. I mean, the first thing you said was it's got to be a top level effort. And if you think about like the highest performing organizations that are out there, the Salesforce of the world, the LinkedIn, the the companies that are just absolutely crushing it. You always hear about how important learning and coaching and training are to their whole program. They take it very seriously from the top down and support it. And then the last quick thing you said is bring data, you know, listen to Rob Jepson, I should have him on the show. He's he's very prolific. yeah. He should. He's got a lot of lot of good stats. So bring your data if you're trying to implement this, and you don't have a coaching or training culture. You've got to bring some hard data. I mean, forty percent increase. How how could anybody, you know, argue with that, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think once you've got that buy-in, because I think I think where a lot of managers feel pressured when it comes to coaching is that they feel like you know, the time that they invest in coaching, the solid time is detracting away from the other things that they're being pressured to do. And until you have senior leadership that understand that coaching is the fundamental function and role and biggest payback activity of a frontline sales manager, that all the other stuff can take a backseat because all too often, traditionally, coaching is one of the first things that's being kind of pushed to the side. It's always the, it's always the slot on the calendar, which is the easiest one to you know to kind of move or to to delete from the from the from the calendar and until managers feel comfortable that you know I'm going to spend even 1 hour 1 hour of their day in actual coaching activity and feel that their their boss or their senior leadership is is actually supporting that and is encouraging it then then I think you know that's the critical piece to to helping 
a lot of SDR managers out there, a lot of sales managers out there who are kind of sat there a little bit worried that if they get caught, you know, if they get caught kind of away from the admin tasks that that they might get a, a bit of a telling off. And I think I think ultimately that's a, it's very sad that, that that actually happens. But that that is the key to success of, of starting to build this this culture of development. That is so interesting that you point that out because I, I think just because I've been around for so long, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I've been around for so long. <laughs> I've seen this shift from the old days where there wasn't as much technology and there wasn't as much analytics and, and filling in little boxes and filling in forms and things like that. And, the, and there's, <laughs> there's one guy, if you haven't followed this, there's this guy named Mike Weinberg who wrote a book called yeah. New Sales Simplified. And, and he's, very, he's very curmudgeonly in his posts, which are kind of funny because he's, he's also seen this, this shift to technology. And it's like managers, sales development managers, sales managers have become so enamored with the admin tasks and, and trying to fill in the reports and getting everything dialed in for their boss that they forgot what is the main job. You said it yourself. The main job is, they used to call it dashboard time, but it wasn't like computer dashboards. It's like just sitting in a car with a sales rep going from sales call right. to sales call. Like in the old days, you actually went out and the manager would just talk to them. How did it go? What it, what went right? What went wrong? I mean, there was like mm. that interaction happening. And that, that, to your point, was the most important part of the job because that's what makes them get better. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to call it the back of the taxi the back of the taxi ride back to the the train station after the meeting where you kind of got 10 minutes of a debrief with your with your manager and the reality is those conversations are so few and far between and when we think about the world of sales development where you you know we 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 working with inside sales teams where the manager has so much in contact time with their reps and with all of the technology available now to you know record the conversations that that reps are having or to track the emails that they're sending out there's there's really no excuse to just accelerate and increase the amount of coaching interventions that are actually taking place you know one of the things that one of the things that I do is we do individual and group and group coaching here at refract and the individual coaching would would typically be you know, one of my SDRs for example will flag to me a call that they'd been on the previous week that didn't go so well I always and I'd much prefer to listen to the calls that didn't go well than the calls that did really go well because the, the coaching opportunities exist typically more in the ones that fell flat. And we'll kind of almost just go through that call together. We'll stop and stop and start. We'll, you know, ask about, you know, what could have been done differently. I'll, I'll encourage them to, to kind of raise their hand when they feel they could have done something differently as well. So that's very, very close one of one time that we have. But, but the, the beauty of, coaching is that it doesn't just have to be on that one-to-one -one level you can start to see the benefits across the whole team because on a friday afternoon we pull the whole team together in a group and we we literally do the same activity but you know involving everybody in the team to to listen to share opinions to you know kind of debate amongst themselves how they could have phrased something differently or when they could have taken a pause rather than carry on talking you know, when could they have asked a question? How could they have asked that question differently? And ultimately, you're, you're kind of coaching at scale there. And so come, one of the, the, the big, I guess, excuses as to why coaching doesn't take place as, as much as it should is, is this the concept of time. It's, it's time intensive. Well, if you can start to coach with groups of individuals 
you know, you're, you're kind of impacting, you know, you're impacting multiple people without actually needing to spend individual time with each, with each person. So there's lots of, lots of really neat things that you can do on that basis to find more coaching time in your, in your, your weekly schedule. Okay. And, and I want to, so I've got a bunch of questions with the Friday group coaching. Do you find that people are a little bit shy about listening? I mean, do you actually play the calls for the group? And do you find that people are a little bit shy about having their calls be being played and being bantered around, especially if they're the ones that they blew it on, you know? I think the first time your call gets played, you are a little bit like mm, cringe kind of thing, and you you know you're you're a bit nervous. But the reality is, once once you've got that culture where that is that is what is expected, it's the norm that people's calls get listened to that and that nobody really cares how somebody sounds. And I think ultimately, a lot of the the fears that we have about hearing our own voice are, are literally just locked within ourselves rather than anybody else. I think the important thing is to make sure that you're using a blend of calls from different reps. You're not just constantly focusing on the same person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think, I think really the, the culture that we have, and I think the culture that any organization can achieve is that everybody actually looks forward to those sessions. And if your call is the one that gets picked, you're actually quite happy because you know that this is an opportunity to, to actually improve. And yeah, yes, people get a little bit nervous first time, but once that uh, first time is over, it's it's people look forward to these sessions and and feel like they get a lot of value out of them. So yeah, I think it's just it's just one of them things that people get comfortable with really really quickly. So it's building that culture of hey, you know, it is it's a little cringe worthy at first. You know, nobody likes to hear their own voice, but then what we're trying to do is move this whole thing forward, and we're not going to pick on anybody. We're, we're going to go around, and we're gonna, we're trying to make this thing better, and this is the best way to do it, and keep, keep just keep it super positive. So the other question I had is, how do you define the difference between coaching and training? Like, do you blend those together? Is there a hard difference between the two? It's a great question, and often those two words will get used in the same context, and actually they're very different. Training is in my so I'll tell you what I classify as training in my my world. So let's imagine I've hired a new SDR, and in the first few weeks of that of that person starting, I've got them in a classroom, and I'm teaching them about the product, about the personas, about the competitors, about the about the common objections. I'm kind of giving them the the knowledge, if you like. I see training as being I'm giving them the expertise, the knowledge that they need in order to kind of, I guess, know how to do the job. Coaching is about nurturing all of that knowledge into that person and helping them improve. You know, I could, I could have the most intelligent person in the world who understands everything I say in that classroom. I could give them a, a 100 question exam afterwards and they could answer all those questions completely correct. But how they go and execute on that and how they actually you know take all of that knowledge and, and have fantastic conversations with prospects is very different that's where coaching comes in it's kind of it's being able to work typically individually with that with that person to to start to get them to improve their skills on a continuous basis i've often thought of coaching as as being like level jumping people Everybody is at an individual level and coaching is all about finding that next person's level up. You know, it could be it could be one floor up, it could be five floors up, it could be ten floors up. But yeah, you, you only 
you, you don't get there through training. You know, training is sat in a classroom, learning about stuff. Coaching is right. Let's let's work with you on a continuous basis, day after day, week after week, to actually help you improve as a person. And yeah, it's it's a really it's a really great question. And I think a lot of companies do invest heavily in training. They do a lot of that education piece. The thing that actually is the the success or otherwise of that person is is how well they're they're coached and how well they are continually developed. Yeah, it seems like a lot of organizations they'll do the training. They'll they'll put you in the classroom for a day or two, download all the information, and then where they fall short is the coaching. Because mm. you've got all this information, you put it up on the shelf or you file it somewhere in your computer, and it's like it doesn't come to life necessarily because there wasn't that continuous coaching. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, I could I could almost you want to compare it to the field of of sports, for example, I could sit in a classroom and and oh, I could I could sit with an expert and learn all about the rules of NFL, and I could learn you know what the the best players are, what the best what the best tactics are, how to have the best positional sense, you name it. I could I could learn all those things. The the kind of the theory, I guess, is is, is what I'm trying to say. Put me on a put me onto a field doesn't mean I'm going to be any good at, at executing on that theory. You know the that's where I have to be worked on with a coach to actually get me to that to that execution to to start to build that skill set. And I think the reason why companies spend so much time on the training and not on the coaching, I think there's a there's a number of reasons for that. I think one, coaching is seen is seen as time intensive. People people see it as time intensive and it's therefore it's hard and they don't want to they don't have the the patience to invest the time in doing it. But secondly, coaching is not a skill that people are just born with. You know, I, it's taken me a while myself to feel like I've became a competent coach. It's very easy to teach people theory, but it's very, it's, it's a lot more complex to help that person to, to, to become better and to identify weaknesses and get the, the salesperson to identify their weakness and um, themselves and to really nurture that person. It's a very, very different skill set. And I think that's, Ultimately, where a lot of people, a lot of a lot of sales managers out there are, are quite scared that they don't have the they don't have the skill set to coach, and they're they're concerned at you know at, at how to actually do it. Yes. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. No, I, I mean, and, you know, one of the things that I hear in interacting with a lot of SDRs is that, you know, hey, I've tried everything. Like, I've I've tried all these different things and just nothing's working right now. Nothing's working for me and I'm not making my number and I'm, I'm going to be in big trouble here. And it's like, I think in having this conversation with you, what's missing is having that continuous coaching with the manager to really identify what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, and what they could work on each week. It's just missing. Because like you said, it's so easy to just delete that very time-intensive part. And uh, for the manager, I'll just go back and fill in these forms and get everything ready for my meeting with my director. You know, <laughs> yep. Yep. And there's, there's the big facet here, David, which one of the, the huge benefits of coaching, which we're we haven't talked about yet and i think you kind of hinted there about the the sdrs that might be sat there and they're not doing well and they feel like 
nothing's going right and they're essentially getting down in the dumps morale's low they they feel they feel unmotivated and what happens with unmotivated reps who don't feel like they're being developed they leave and companies have this massive problem that they're constantly you know recruiting and the huge costs of hiring new SDRs especially if they're using agencies and the the, the time it takes to get SDRs effective and all of the management time involved in that and one of the the key benefits of those companies who have a coaching culture is that they have salespeople who feel like they're being developed that feel like their company is actually taking a genuine interest and investment in developing them and you know I've worked with I've got SDRs on my team who came from companies where they'll say I had the training but I had zero coaching and you know the result was people didn't want to stick around and until companies start to realize this that you know their best sales people leave because they're not feel like they're being developed continuously but even those reps who have the potential who are coachable who can who can be successful but maybe just aren't successful they just need they just need that that coach and that regular development to make them successful until until companies realize that they're forever going to be essentially just throwing money at the problem of constantly losing and rehiring staff and it's 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 crazy that that is actually prevalent in especially in specific industries yeah for sure i mean and we've we've gone through a long progression here and and i think people have gotten used to just throwing money at the problem it's in the tech industry in silicon valley and eventually all progressions end and we're going to go into a recession at some point so people really need to think seriously about you know how how do we i mean just for just spiritually as well i mean how do we mm. really value people and and develop them as professionals but then also get them to stick around you know right so and as the co-founder you know how expensive it is to find people and all the things that you mentioned that's economically makes a lot of sense and yeah 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 as well for any sales development leader or any sales leader listen to this podcast the question i just throw your way and, and challenge you is what what sort of manager do you want to be known as and you know in when you retire and you know you've got you're looking back at what your the salespeople that you manage what they say about you as as a, as a person do you want to be known as that manager who just was the person who demanded more who sat behind the the CRMs who was in the meetings do you really want to be known as that manager or do you want to be known as the leader who actually was the coach who helped people get better? And I, I can imagine, I know that a lot of people would, would rather be recognized as the latter. People don't want to be seen as the, you know, the pain in the arse manager who, who just demands more. And, you know, but, you know, I guess it's the, the, the question I feel is, is, is really defining for anybody out there listening to this is what do you want to be known as in, you know, five years or 30 years time. And I know that for me, I want to be known as the person who was a kind of a, a true coach and educator and someone who actually helped people become better and more successful. And, and that was ultimately investing time in, in trying to improve their skills and behaviors. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, that is a really great long view to have. I would say action item for anyone listening, If you're, especially if you're in a management role, go to your calendar right now block out coaching time, you know, potentially look into Richard's tool that they've developed, which is fantastic. Like you said, there's no excuse 
anymore <laughs> for what we're trying to do here. Absolutely. One technical question I wanted to ask you is with recording calls, and a lot of the sales development calls are outbound. And so the people don't necessarily know that that they're being recorded or, you know, there's there's different laws like here in the States, like each state has a different law about what you can and can't record. So just at a high level, how do you guys deal with the complexity there as far as being able to record the calls? Because I see how with building a coaching culture, you've got to know what's going on on the call. You can read the emails and stuff like that, but you also have to know what the conversations are that people are having and where they're struggling, but you can't actually do that without being able to record the calls. Yeah, it's a great question. And you are right in the, in the States, there's about 10 States that have what we call two party consent. In other words, there has to be some level of notification that the the calls being recorded. That being said, that the vast majority of North America is one party consent, much like it is here in the UK. Whereas, you know, as long as the one party on that conversation, in other words, the salesperson knows the call is being recorded and the purpose of that call is being used for training, coaching, quality purposes, then it's it's absolutely fine. But it does it does pose a challenge to those to those SDRs that exist in those two party consent states. However, there is solutions there. So, for example, one of those could be, um, you know, a lot of technology now will actually kind of silence out what the prospect's saying. Now, that's not ideal, but it still gives you an idea of what the salesperson is saying on that call, which is which is often, you know, key is is the SDR framing things in the right way. Are they opening the call in the right way? The thing that I am a big advocate for is is leveraging technology and call recording for role play conversations too and this is something that i do on a frequent basis with with my team is i will actually get them to record me as a as a prospect i will play the part of a of a very you know i'll try and give us as accurate representation as possible of a normal prospect or somebody that the the sdr had tried to call the week before and you know we record that conversation i'd give them the same objections as i would do if i was an, as if i was a real life prospect and then we do the exact same thing. We, you know, we we listen back to the call and we we identify the, the kind of the critical moments of that conversation. And there's still huge amounts of learning opportunity, even with kind of you know fake calls, if you like. But the the other side might be a more old school method where you know a sales manager can literally, you know, they can sit side by side the the rep, they can plug into their headset, they can listen to calls as they're happening live. You know, there's challenges with that you know can be can be more time consuming but but equally even just being able to hear one conversation and being able to give that feedback back to the sales rep after the the conversation's finished is still is still hugely better than doing nothing at all so yeah there's there's definite challenges there with a small portion of companies out out there but there's definite solutions to still help managers become more effective at call coaching you know this week yeah, and and that's interesting because that is one of the one of the pushbacks that you get for if you don't have a tool like Refract where you just have a phone splitter and you're sitting there as the manager and the SDR is just calling and they're getting people they're getting voicemails that it's it's not connecting yeah. they're going through phone trees and it's like great that was a whole hour but I really like your idea about let's let's do a role play and record it you know and then. That's even, it seems like a, 
very powerful way to build your skills because the manager will throw out, you know, a lot of objections and, and it might be just as valuable as an actual live call. Well, I think the phrase role play might be sending shivers down people's spines out there yes. because it <laughs> has, right. role play has developed a, a bit of a, a bad name for itself. But in my opinion, the reason it has is because it's too often it's done in the wrong way. And, you know, if we take an SDR, for example, an outbound cold call, typically where I've seen this done, done wrong is that companies will actually get the salesperson to kind of sit in a room face to face with their manager on a stool in the middle of the room. And it's just a complete unnatural setting. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even a phone conversation. So instantly, the, the actual environment is, is just completely inaccurate. And therefore, that completely changes the dynamic of that conversation. So that's why actually recording the role play call as an actual phone call just instantly makes that role play just feel more natural and much more realistic. And I think one of the key things I found that's worked really well is I actually model that role play on an actual real call that has taken place recently. So I'm kind of playing almost the exact role as the, the prospect that the SDR tried to call. I, I give them the objections that the SDR said they received or that I, that I heard they, that, that they received. So it provides a complete true representation of that conversation rather than something that's just completely made up, completely inaccurate. And that's where I feel role play has gone wrong so often, so many times. It's a massively, massively effective technique to help coach salespeople to be better there's not enough people doing it, but I think the reason it has a bad name is because it's it's just been it's just been done incorrectly in the past. Yes, I could see that. I mean, it's just it's you know for the managers out there listening, you got to do a little bit more homework before you do a role play. So what you're saying is role plays are super valuable, and especially if they can be recorded because you can play them back and bring them into the meetings and stuff. But but you've got to do your homework. Don't just try to wing a role play with the reps because it's going to be in an awkward environment that isn't even realistic. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So I, I know we're pushing up against the time. This has been super valuable for everyone. I mean, I think, I honestly think in working with hundreds of companies here in the Valley and beyond on sales development, that this is the missing link that is not happening enough right now. And to your point, it's, it's hurting everyone, you know, economically and also just, spiritually because they're not making progress they, they just feel like they're spinning their wheels so richard thank you any parting words how do we get in touch with you recommendations and any any last notes here yeah well i think one of the questions that you kind of posed to me before the the podcast dave was kind of advice additional advice for sales development managers and one of the the, the key points of advice i can give there is stems from recruitment recruitment is so important and i often ask managers what do they look for when they're hiring salespeople of all levels of experience and the kind of top of the charts more more times than not is coachability when i ask them how they actually measure that they don't really have a good answer so they're they're looking for that trait in salespeople but they're not actually measuring it in recruitment and i think that's a and, and, it's, and it's difficult but so one of the things that i i highly recommend that you do to start to measure coachability in salespeople is building some actually some exercises in that interview process. And you know, one of the things that we do here at Refract is is recording a role play outbound sales call. And once that's recorded, 
we then kind of play it back together with the with the salesperson and get them to get them to specify and stop the tape at the points that they think they could have done things differently. We then do the same the same call again and see how much they actually put into practice the things that they 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 felt they could work on. And we found that's been a massively valuable exercise and, and truly actually seeing one how how well does this person take feedback to how quickly do they put things into practice once they've once they've actually received feedback and how do they how do they also self-critique themselves too? Are they are they unafraid to identify things that they could have that they feel didn't go so well, things they could improve on? So, you know, I think I think if you're looking to build a coaching culture, you have to be hiring salespeople who are coachable, but you have to have the, the right process in place to actually measure measure that effectively from the outset. Aside from that, to get in contact with me, connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter, which is Richard underscore refract. And if you want to find out more about you know what we're doing and how we're helping companies truly develop and build a more successful sales teams, you can go to the website, which is refract.ai. I love it. And then that was such a great idea. I, I had read about that in a book called The Sales Acceleration Formula, which is a Not fantastic really book if you guys haven't read that. Yeah. And, you know, I can say from seven years of managing sales development programs and then doing this consulting and training that coachability in the people that you bring on board is huge because the worst situations I could just, uh, it's like a bad memory in my mind is working with an SDR who is struggling. And again, it's like, I don't know, I've tried everything, just nothing's working. I'm struggling. And you give them something to go and work on and they come back a week later and it's like, how'd it go? Oh yeah, I didn't try it. Or yeah, I tried it once. It didn't work, you know? And you're just like, yeah, please. So I feel (laughs) that one. Yeah, definitely. No, it's, 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 it's absolutely true. It's in order to have salespeople, if you want to improve the salesperson, they've got to want to improve and they've got to want to put things into practice. If they're not, then in my opinion, they're probably not the right fit for the company because there is literally no way of improving somebody who has not got the will to improve. So you're absolutely bang on the money there. No, at at all levels, I mean, coachability is huge. And so if you if you feel like you're not coachable or you don't know what we're talking about, then I don't know, re, you know, go to refract.ai, <laughs> read the blog, sign up for the newsletter, learn all you can about this because it is just it's a very very valuable skill to have and just a, just a trait for everything in your life. And yeah, Richard, I had one last question for you. We release a market map of all the tools that are out there to support sales development. And I want to make sure that you're on the market map for coaching and training and things like that. So I'm going to, it's not really a question. I'm going to make sure that you're on there. And if not, we're working on our, our third version right now and want to make sure that you guys are included on there. Well, we've got to represent the British somehow. So that'll be a... <laughs> That would be excellent. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Again, Richard Smith, refract.ai. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And Richard, thanks for being on the show. Cheers, Dave. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.